learning for Elias B'Shalom of Rabbi Price and B'Shalom, which was B'Shalom Aryeh Ben Moshe. Okay, the Moshe Haya Rove. I'm on page Ayin Aleph. Page Ayin Aleph. Left column. The Moshe Haya Rove. Moshe was the shepherd for his father-in-law, and he shepherded the sheep of his Hosein, his father-in-law, Yisra. Lavi Mizeha Sipur, to understand from this story, Derech Avoda, a way in which to serve Hashem, Shatorah HaKadoshah Moralanu B'choles in B'chosman. The Torah always teaches us a way to serve Hashem in every time and in every generation. Hine Kisiv, it is written in Iyov, the Nahor Yacharav, either Yacharev or Yacharav, the Yavesh. The river is dried up, <clears throat> and also dried up. Those, both of those words are a lesson of being dried up. I think the first one, the first one, I believe, is a stronger lesson. The Yisab the Tikkune Zohar, the Tikkunim writes, Yucharev Babayis Rishon, dried up, refers to the first base HaMikdash, the Yavesh refers to Bayisheni, the second base HaMikdash. That's interesting. I, I would say that it is. Yeah, that the word korban is a a conjugation of the shorish ches resh base. Yeah, it is because it's similar to korban from kuf resh kuf resh base. Korov korban korov korban. Yeah. Visa the Tikkune Zohar. I'm sorry. The Mavur Besforim Kedoshim. It says in our Holy Sforim, Shemoragam Kain Abachinas Machshava the Dibur. That this also refers to the realm of thought and the realm of speech. Bechinas He Ilaa, what is known as the higher He, the He Tata'a, and the lower He. The higher He is the first He in Hashem's name, Yud K. That's the hey love. The lower hey is the second K in the shame yud hey love K. Behine bechinas yecharav babayis rishon. The first one being dried up and referring to the first base hamikdash. What does that talk about? What does that mean? Marames to mora alzeh she'ein biyacholta lihisbonin b'machshavasa. It's the inability of a person. To reflect deeply in their mind, the kasher da'ato bihisbonenis, so that he is completely connected to what he's thinking about, shayolid al kolpanim dechilu urefimu sichlin, to be able to produce at least an intellectual fear and love of Hashem. And what that means, dechilu urefimu sichlin, is that it's not that the emotion is felt in its full force emotionally but that at least intellectually there's an awareness of these emotions and the appropriateness of those emotions so one who is reflecting deeply in their davening the first stage is that they could produce an intellectual awareness of these emotions ava and yira love and awe of god 
And this person is not able to do that. Lahavin hetes. Now, a definition of sikhliyin is for a person to at least understand. That it's fitting for me to love and be in awe of God. I may not have that love and awe emotionally, but I, ha- I do realize that it's worthy and it's appropriate for me. That's already a step. So that's the first level that a person does not even have that. This is a result of a certain defect in one's mental abilities in the mochi. Now, what does that defect come from? It's a spiritual defect. Bibachinas maharher bayom. It's because they have inappropriate thoughts by day, and those inappropriate thoughts then distort and cloud the vision of their mind. And they may come from this as, as a result to emitting zera, semen, for, in vain. And that could even mean unintentionally. Because as a result of that hate of zera levatola, then there, there arises a pagam in our emuna, in our faith and our belief in God. She'ina nikba v'mocho lehispoel b'dechilu u'rechilu and we're not then able to fix into our mind the intellectual love and awe of God. So the result here, I'm sorry, the, the siba, the cause, is not one of a lack of brains or intellectual power. That's not what he means by a pagam in the moa. It's a spiritual thing. We think about inappropriate thoughts and let them stay there. And then that that eventually leads to a zera levatola, a spilling of zera in vain, what that does is it affects our moach. It affects our ability to think in a clear, devoted way to Hashem. And because of that, we're not able to produce the intellectual love and awe of God. Can I just clarify something? Please, Mark. Is the pagam that he only can intellectualize and know that it's appropriate to feel uh, uh, or is is that the Pagam? The Pagam is that he's not able to do that. He's not able to do even that. Right. I mean, even to intellectualize. Even to, he can think about it, he can think about it, right. but it does not produce even the intellectual fear. Certainly the emotional, um, the real emotions themselves, he doesn't get that far. Right. But even so that his intellect would produce an idea, an awareness of it's worthy for me to have love of God. He can't even get to that point. He can think, right. but his thinking is not producing the Ava and the Yura sikhli. Even, even an intellectual okay. appreciation of those emotions. He can't get there. But the Hirhurim the Hirhurim and then the Zera Levatola, that, that really, it's pogame, his Mahshavah. Now, is it, is it the Hirhurim, or is it... It's both. It's both. It's the yeah. combination. Yeah. So the Hirhurim starts, starts the process, right. and then the Zer Levatola is the culmination of that process. 
so is it inevitable that he's going to come to Zerbatolik? You know, I've always had that question because the Chachamim say, Mahar Her Bayam, if you think about that inappropriate thoughts by day, then you have Zerbatolik at night time. Right. Now, is that an absolute equation? Right. I mean, just practically speaking, I don't think so. It doesn't happen all the time. Right. But it could happen. Right. Or maybe you have to have a cer- certain accumulation of those thoughts for that to happen, right. or a certain level of being tied in to those thoughts for that to happen. Right. It doesn't seem to me, just um, you know, through observation, that that has to be the case. But it's leading in that direction. Right. I'm, I'm not speaking out of surety, just out of right. possibility. Yes, Your, what you just said about the accumulation. Yes. Okay. Um, and maybe it's just me, I'm hearing a lot of negative stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing a lot Come of on. negative stuff. Lighten up. Lighten up. If it's true. Why is it negative? Why do you think it's Well, because it, he, he's often talking about this this begam in different contexts, exactly. isn't he? Am I, I mean, he talks about it a lot. He talks about uh, and, it a lot. And it almost inevitably leads to some a sexual vera of some type, right. either physically, spiritually, or, or right. whatever. And if if it's true that the accumulation of uh, will eventually, then isn't the inverse also true that the accumulation of doing mitzvahs, doing good things, Absolutely. doing the right thing will also lead Absolutely. to an elevation? I agree. Uh, you know, I agree. Right. That's for sure. No positive right. <laughs> we, we need that. Yeah. Yeah, we need that. I, I, I'm here, you know, being about Chuba, okay, you know, we, you and I have talked about this. So right. Three right. years can, of my life, heavy. I was doing all those sexual veras, right. so it's like, it's hard to. Uh, it can know. get heavy. Right. It's true. Yeah. Got it. We got to take it in the, you know, in the right way. Um talks about your he's talking about sexual... I believe so. There are other kinds of hirhurim, but they're usually identified if they're directed elsewhere. When it just says stam, hirhur uh, bayom, in this context, and it's talking about thoughts that have an inappropriate sexual nature. Yeah. Yes, John? I, I want to say, by the way, uh, I noticed that he points out the Gramos and Yusod and, and sexual averos a lot, but I figure it's not worth complaining about because he knows better than I do. <laughs> um, but but uh, my my question is, uh, these before uh, you know, saying it leads to Zerla uh, Batella at night, but could it just, you know, a theoretical curiosity, could it be that even the Zera that's emitted during uh, uh, the regular Tashmish with one's wife could still be considered a Zerubatala because, because of the Gehori during the day? It's a good question. It, it's not considered Zerubatala as long as it's in the context of husband and wife. But even if the Makor, you know, were thoughts that were, let's say, not appropriate, and sometimes that happens, but, and then that's a Pagam also, and next we get into Kadesh and Basmukhov and Muchala and, and those Namahalas and other, but it's not Zerlavatala. Now, it could happen there would be Zerlavatala in the relationship between husband and wife. You know, if a man ejaculated prematurely, that is in a sense Zerlavatala. 
you know, or if he withdrew prematurely, that would be Theravada. Although it could happen, but as long as it's, it's within the context of um, the relationship of husband and wife, and it ends up, you know, inside of the wife, that's considered to be not Theravada. Okay, Vizelu Bethinas Timtum Hamoa. So he says this is the idea. Yes, Mark. Okay. Um, what about after relations? Right. If there's Zara, then... Uh, now, after relations, now let's say that a husband and wife have relations, and then they're Porish, and after a while they, you know, they come apart. Right. So first of all, for a couple of reasons, they're not supposed to do that quickly. Right. Um, one important reason is that because that time of intimacy is important, and even after the conclusion of having relations, if they're just horish right away, you, you you feel like almost like that's all that it was. Right. It was an act, you know, a, a sexual act. It wasn't what about the caring, the feeling. And sometimes, you know, women complain about that, that their husbands would be insensitive that they're horish too soon, as opposed to staying in an embrace. So it's good in terms of the relationship, first of all. And it's also brought down that if you're horish too soon, then there are still teepeen, there are still drops of zera that are coming out. Even though a man's already ejaculated, but for a little bit of time, there look like a little, you might say almost a seepage of zera still comes out. So you're supposed to be shohe al habetan, which means that you're resting on her, on her, and you're staying there until, for a couple minutes, until that's over. Now once you're porish, you know, and let's say you've waited a little while, and then there's some, you know, there's some things that have dripped out after having a relationship. Right. That's not Zara Levitel. That's not Yeah, that's, that, was, that ended up in the right place, it stayed in the right place, and it dripped out, which is just a normal uh, physiological right. process. That's not Zara Levitel. That's okay. Okay. V'zehu b'chinas timtum hamoach shehu b'chinas skila b'ruchnis. To identify this process, it's called timtum hamoa, which means that one's mind is, uh, you could say, either stuck or covered over, numb, uh, closed. Their mind is not able to conceive of intellectual fear and love of God. It's a timtum. They're closed off from that ability. And he said it's also called skila in ruchnia. Skila means to be stoned. It's one of the four kinds of punishments of based in a capital punishment is to be stoned. So he said, this is a spiritual form of skila, of being stoned, that one's mind is closed off to those things. Kamoshukasuv Bikriyashma al-Hamita. As it says, this is what I was looking for, and I think this is in the Kriyashma of the Arizal. A person says, Inis chayavti skila. A person says, if today... I have be, done something which has made me chay of skila, to be stoned, God forbid. Ayudei shepogam ba'os yud. And I have made a defect in the letter yud of Hashem's name, which represents chachma. Bibachinas kriyash... Um, well, that shouldn't be kriyashma. Shazehu inin ha-skila baruchnias. I'm not sure what that is there. Bibachinas... I want to say carry. 
I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. Shazehu inyan haskila beruchnius. That this is what it means to experience skila being stoned in the spiritual sense. Shemocho atum keeven. Now he makes the relationship that one's mind is closed like a stone. That's what it means to be stoned, that our mind becomes stiff and parallel like a rock. So that's like Eskila in Ruchnius. And one is not able to find their mind, the Indian Ha'amuna, to matters of faith and dedication to God. Hamarumas bi Kriyashma, which is hinted at in Kriyashma, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem um, That's the, the words of Shema. That, that was Kriya Shema above them, if that's the case. Where's the hint? I'm not sure. Well, let's see what he said. I, I think he might talk about it. The question? Yes. Maybe an interesting, but yes. you can stop that game stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, this is... Close his eyes to Moab. Right. Another form of Tim right. Tumah Moab, right? right. I mean, people start off thinking that it's a greater sense of awareness, but of course it's just the opposite. Right. I mean, it's interesting, I mean, the field of uh, rehabilitation, one of the things that they point out is that people sometimes get an elevation from alcohol, but it's, uh, chemically speaking, it's the central nervous system depressing. And it's, it's, it's really, it's, um, it's, it's a mistake that people mind that the thing, it's an elevating experience, it's actually depressing experience and once it plays itself out. As Zohar says that these words, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hem Keneged, He Chiluke Avanim, Hanem Ar Eitzel David HaMelech, Alavashon. They're the five kinds of stones which David HaMelech carried when he killed Goliath. Now it says there that when David let go of his slingshot, he had five stones in his, either in his satchel or in his bag. And the Chachamim say in Tikkunah Zohar, those are the five words of Shema. Those were his stones. Now you say it's six. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad is six words, but the word Hashem is written twice. So that's what it means that it's five. Those were his five Avonim. What's the Rosh David Eitzel David Hamelah Allah Hashem Shazehu Hatikun Libachinas Timtum Hamoah that this is the remedy for Timtum Hamoah which is to say the Shema with concentration Shazeh Bechinas Gila Bavlan if one has experienced being stoned mentally that their mind is closed up like a stone and can't produce the emotions that we need to have. So the tikkun for that is another kind of heaven, a stone, a stone in Kedusha, and those are the five words of Shema Yisrael. So saying that with concentration will help remedy this problem. V'hu atma. That a person should really work hard. The word miyageya is, is that you put forth a lot of effort. Yagiyas is a lot of effort. Yagiyas nefesh, powerful spiritual um, effort. Lakasher machshavasa, to bind one's mind to bechinas emuna, to emuna ad sheyoli bechinas dechilu uruchinu sifli 
so that they can produce at least the intellectual awareness of the appropriateness of emotions for God. So his, he's saying that saying the Shema is a tikkun for this uh, this problem. And um, you know, one might say the tikkun for problem is like you know think about other things, you know, try not to think about those things by daytime. It's true. And as the Pelioes often does, he suggests a tikkun in a different area and says, by making that tikkun over here, it's going to affect us over there. He has that mahalath a lot. We noticed it last week, too. He said, don't, don't fight directly against those sides. As a matter of fact, concentrate on saying Shema. And by doing that, it will produce a positive effect, and you'll be able to do the other more easily. I had thought that, uh, you know, when uh, Yaakov comes to embrace Yosef, yes. they say he was, he says Yosef kissed Yaakov, but not the Yaakov says he, was, he thinks it. So at the moment of what you would think would be his greatest joy, he uh, put that aside to say Krishma, and Yaakov's the one who didn't... Uh, Love not, No, not even one tipa of Zera. Zera Lovatala. Right, right. You know, right. Very good. Very good. Okay, now the next level is the chinas yavesh, another word for being dry, lacking vitality or, or life. The bayasheni, referring to the second Besamikdash, who, ka'asher hadibur hayotse mipiv, einbo shumlach that when a person speaks a word, it has no life. Literally, lachluchis means moisture like a person, uh, something is moist and alive as opposed to all dried out. That's what Lach Luthi's mean. That's Lich Luth. And that's with a Chav. And this Lach Luthi's is with a Hes, like the word Lach, which means damp. Shein Margi Shum Chiyus Bahadibur. That a person doesn't feel insp- inspired by his words. Even though they're looking into Sforim and holy books, Inyan Hahisbonunus, and they and they learn about what it means to reflect upon Hashem, like we're doing now. Umisbonumasi, <laughs> and they they are uh, contemplative, and they even achieve, let's say, an intellectual awareness of the emotions, like we were saying before. They get to that point. The imposer but it doesn't go all the way to their heart. So it's, it does not become an emotional experience. And it does not reach the point <coughs> where his words are alive and emphatic and vibrant. He says, this does not come from Timtum Hamoach, from the mind being closed up, this results from the heart being closed up. There's an emotional barrier. Timtum hamoach is that there's an intellectual barrier. That was the previous scenario. Timtum halev means that there is an emotional barrier. We can think about the things, we understand it's appropriate to love God, but we say the words and the heart remains closed. That's timtum halev. Shabbat misibas hachomer. So this has to do with our own physicality, the, the natural physicality of a human being, that 
we become drawn after the fire and the passion of things that are inappropriate, the hachamidu deliba, the heat, you might say, the passions of the heart. So we become passionate about what? We become passionate about our everyday life in the physical world and we seek extraneous things, things that are not necessary. I need this, but I want to have this, 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 and this. And I'm putting my emotions and my passions into areas where they really don't belong. So what's going to happen then? I'm going to strip myself of the ability to be passionate where it does belong. Because emotions are not endless. If I'm going to be passionate about some Olam Hazed type thing, how am I going to be passionate about love for Hashem? It's going to clog up my heart. It's going to close off my heart. I think about it, um, this, this Mitsuyus, in terms of athletics. But you see how excited people get about athletics. Right? Especially the Broncos, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I always wonder about that. Like, if this is where people's you know, passions are going, so how much of that is that taking away from our, where, where we should be passionate about something else? Now, he's talking about Mosros, which means things in life that are not necessary, and getting preoccupied with those things and getting emotionally involved with those things. But he's in most words, you're saying that means ex, ex, Yeah, it, 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 it's a word for luxury, but sometimes we think of luxury as living in a, you know, a million dollar home. Right. You know, that, that is a luxury. It's not much that nice. It's not like that's which is mutter. No, that's different thing. It's, it's from the word mo, um, yes there. Yes Good sir. Okay. Language, oh, okay. Which is more right. than. Right. And just one moment. So the idea there is that let's say a person has what to eat. Let's say they have a a nice place to live in, and they have clothes to wear, and then they get passionate about all those things that are extensions, unnecessary um, follow-ups of those things that you really have, and you get involved in that. Like sometimes the way people go crazy, you know, sometimes over you know making a simcha, and they get instead of going to here, they go to here, to here, to here, to here, and it just gets completely out of hand, and that's what they get involved in. That's what they get emotional about. Just take. Of course that's going to leave our heart closed off because uh, it doesn't leave any room for getting emotional about the things that are of Oyo Sashem. Yeah, yes, well, what's the explanation you yeah. about this rationalization that somehow we're doing this simple, you know, that it is al Hashem and this, this idea about these, these weddings and, and whatever. You know, I think that sometimes that's... Uh, it's mental deceit. Yeah. And sometimes it's truly L'Shem Shemayim. You, know, you have a person who's trying to make a beautiful simcha, and they're doing it in order to really, you know, make the chasen happy, the kala happy, the family's happy. And they're doing it L'Shem Shemayim, and it's very nice. And that's perfectly appropriate. But where it gets out of hand is where it goes beyond that, and people think or, or trick themselves into thinking that they're doing it the Shem Shemayim, but it's just, as you said, it's just a rationalization. Well, well here's the question. Yeah. You know, the individual <coughs> is judging that for themselves. Right. Hopefully with the guidance of a rabbi. Or whatever. Right. Okay. If that's so, then who are we from outside to judge that person and to say that it is or isn't? You know, we're not. 
and I think it's a very good point that we have to be careful for that. Because it also depends on a person's background. If a person comes from a wealthy family, and they spend more money on a sense, and they're perfectly capable of it, and it's not gaudy, but it's very, very nice and in good taste, that could be 100% L'Shem Shemayim, you know? And someone else's simcha is much more simple because they don't have the emotional sure. financial ability. That's 100% L'Shem Shemayim. I agree with you. We have to be very careful about really standing in judgment over what looks to be maybe something that's too much, but for the people who are doing it, it might just be fine and dandy. You know, where it's come up sometimes, this, this is really more so, you know, um, in New York, but, and I don't even say that, you know, cynically, <laughs> well, but just because where it's coming out, right. that, that there's, it, it started to happen that people would make a board, you know, L'chaim, you know, for an engagement, like people do here. And it turned into that the, the board and the L'chaim turned into a $10,000 expense, right. you know, wow. which, which, which is crazy. So that, that's a good example, right? You want to spend that kind of money if you can, and there's plenty of people to, to have good. But that, it is, there's no makor for that. There's no place for that. I think that's this idea. Sure. And I was, wasn't it the Gare Rebbe who, who actually, you know... In Gare, he made very, you know, firm guidelines. Because he got out of hand. Got out of hand. Right. How many people to invite, right. you know, who can come to the Suda. You know, so I think that's, that's where that's coming from. And kind of just almost inventing things that are surrounding the simcha to spend more money on and to be lavish about. Sure. It. And it's, really, it's just a Yes. Yeah. Mark, it's Which he was for a long time. And now finally, so you may not want to call it like a sexual emotion, but that emotion had to suddenly reopen the heart. Right. So we had to put the shmokish Very nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. And he and he took that and directed it toward Hashem. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Very nice thought. And I think in something you were talking about, I tend to look at functions and I've got to judge what don't do. But I think if you look at how the people are behaving around it, the event becomes larger than the fight. And people are losing their tempers. That's how I judge whether to do it or should If you really roll along, this occurs, and that's how I will adjust here to this people. So But sometimes I see where the event becomes people panic. I want to point out something concerned about uh, modern technology. Now, Lee's not bringing that up because uh, we have gotten so uh, uh, cordless in every shape or form, whether it's a pager, a cellular telephone, or anything that you can look now in Radio Shack, you know, and just see anything that with technology and with improvements, the price comes down. My concern is, if you need it, I understand that. But where does Carzell draw the line between needing and, uh, I don't want to say the word luxury when we're talking about technology, but something that's overdoing it. Right. Where would you Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a judgment call because at, at a certain point, you don't have a, a, a choice anymore. 
because once society starts to operate at that level, and that's how business is being done, if yeah. you don't have the, the equipment, then you, you know, you're out of business. So you don't have a choice, and you have to participate in order to keep your livelihood intact. I think where it becomes, um, what this is talking about, is when it's just a lot of gadgets that are really completely unnecessary, spending, spending their money on things that have no, no importance. Also, so let me, you see, I, I remember Rabbi Fursky once quoted a, a, a non-Jewish <coughs> philosopher, I forgot who it was, uh, when, a, when a, the first concept of a department store came out, and he went into the store and then he left and he said to somebody, I, I never knew there were so many things that I didn't need. It's the way you feel when you're in the mall, you know? Right. So it's a whole, you know, universe being built around things that people really don't need. And, uh, you know, that, that's the life becomes. So, you know, if you have to go shopping in a mall because that's what's available, okay. So you do it because otherwise, you know, where are you going to buy your clothes? But at the same time, we, I think we have to keep our head on our shoulders and, and realize what, what we're participating in. Also, one other thing I want to point out, this happens not for us, but for some of the Goyans, this is a minor holiday today, National Gift Exchange, Return or National Gift <laughs> Exchange Day, because it really shows that they're not, the priorities are in the wrong order when they think that technology or whatever is bigger than life. I just want to point that out. Okay. One. All right, so we didn't finish that one, but we got to some good ideas from it. Okay, maybe let me see if there is... What are we holding here? Into my life, yeah. All right, we'll stop there. Yes, we finished last week. Did we? We didn't. That's two weeks in a row we didn't finish that. <laughs> I was hoping to find out how, because we were close to the end and how that related to... To uh, revealing the case, how you Right. right. Yeah. Next year. Yes, you're coming. Yes, you're coming.